Hi, you're listening to Science Versus, the show where we pit fact against fad. I'm Wendy Zuckerman. And on today's show, science versus race. Whites, blacks, Jews, Chinese. From a scientific perspective, do the races exist? Researchers have been celebrating a breakthrough, a eureka discovery, a significant breakthrough, breakthrough. uncovering the sinister secrets. Scientists across the world. world first. Race is the idea that groups of people are inherently different from each other because they have a different ancestry. In this episode, we're going to look deep into the DNA of humans to see if there really are any biological differences between classical racial groups. But first, a history lesson. Where did the idea of race even come from? And this is important because the races we know about today aren't natural. They were completely constructed by a handful of European scientists a couple of hundred years ago. Our modern ideas of race started with a Swedish guy called Carl Linnaeus. He lived in the 18th century and he loved to classify things. First, he grouped plants into particular categories and then he grouped animals, which of course meant classifying primates and eventually classifying you and me. Now, while Carl was doing all of this classifying, Europeans were going exploring into Africa, Asia and the Americas and they were finding people that looked very different to them. I guess what they were trying to do in part was to understand this mass of humanity, if you like, these new people that they were encountering. That's Darren Kernow, an Associate Professor of Human Evolution at the University of New South Wales in Sydney. He says that classifying Carl Linnaeus was the first to formally slice our species, and he chose four proposed races. Linnaeus gave them different names, but he essentially recognised Europeans as a race, Mongoloids or East Asians as a race, Americans, and he really thought of Native Americans here, and Africans, so there were four major groups. And just so you know where the science was at at this point, Carl also talked about the potential of sub-races, which included Homo ferris, a four-footed, mute, hairy wild man, and wolf boys. Yeah, that was a potential sub-race too. A few decades later, a German physician called Johann Friedrich Blumenbach added another category to this picture called malaise. And critically, he made a hierarchy. So he put Caucasians at the top, followed by the Americans, followed by Mongoloids or East Asians, followed by Africans and followed by Malays. And what was that hierarchy based on? Well, really notions of beauty in part, but also personality or temperament, if you like. And at least in Blumenbach's case, he studied skulls. So that was around 200 years ago. But many of these ideas about race, like that our ancestry has an impact on our personality, are still around today. Even if we don't say them in public. And sometimes, even if we do say them in public. My background is Jewish and I get told I'm good with money. Or if people don't like me, then I get told I'm stingy. I'm also apparently funny, but with that particular kind of Jewish humour. Boy, did I get called Jackie Chan a lot as a child. This is comedian Michael Hing. My parents are from Walgett in New South Wales and Kingsgrove in Sydney. Their parents are from Lightning Ridge in New South Wales and Thursday Island up in Queensland. And if you go back enough generations, eventually several of my ancestors are from China. Yeah, because you, you look Chinese. <laughs> Thank you, Wendy. 
going to a lot of comedy rooms, Michael hears a lot about the races. Asian people can't drive. They all look the same. Asian dudes have tiny penises. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I can keep going with this kind of stuff. You're good at maths. You get your L's and R's confused. You came here on a boat. Dogs. Uh, you love oh, chopsticks. You, you, you're really good at that, aren't you? Oh, why don't you use a fork, you quacky? Yeah. But for radio host Lewis Hover, who is... I'm a Fifty Shades of White. We're so white, it's crazy. Being at the top of the hierarchy for two centuries has been quite handy. When I asked him what stereotypes he gets given... Yeah, just like sort of craft beer-loving, bike-riding, green-voting... So there's all these stereotypes about the different races. But then, there's modern science. My name is Alan Templeton, and my research is in evolutionary genetics, both humans and non-humans. Alan is a professor at Washington University in Missouri, and he says that if you want to know if races exist from a genetic perspective, you have to treat humans like other animals. So what I've done is I've taken these same concepts that we apply to the non-human world and apply them to humans and ask, are there races? In the non-human animal world, races are called subspecies. And if you're looking for subspecies, you need two things. One is a distinct geographical area that this group comes from. And two, you need that group to be genetically different from those in other areas. So, first problem. There's no distinct geographical regions around the world where you could grab someone from and say, you're this race. Here's evolutionary biologist Darren Kernow again. You could say, well, we can take that person from Kenya and we can compare them to that person from the Scottish Highlands. But I would say, yes, but what about all the people and all the populations in between that fall on this this continuum? How do we classify them? Which is why when you ask people to name the races, you get jumbled pretty quickly. Let's start with our radio host, Lewis Hobber. Just in terms of, like, skin colour? Okay, black, white, Asian... Like Chinese, is it a race? Yeah, I guess so. Latin or cultural, or I would have gone. I would have gone with countries, mostly. Or would I? Semite, Semitic. So Arabs and Jews together. Yeah, is that controversial? Yeah, or like groups of countries. No, would I? So since we don't know what the races are, let's just stick with Carl Linnaeus's 200-year-old ideas. Are there sharp genetic differences between his four groups? Europeans, Mongoloids, American and African. No. And to make the point, we'll focus on the groups Caucasians and Africans, or blacks and whites. Let's do a genetic analysis of people based on skin colour. If race did exist, then you would expect all people with dark skin to have very similar DNA, which would be very different from people with lighter skin. But that's not what we find. Alan Templeton's work shows that genetic differences on the whole aren't based on skin colour. They're based on how far away people lived from each other. So... For example, the people that live in Melanesia. And Melanesia? It includes Fiji and Vanuatu. And the people that live in sub-Saharan Africa have the darkest skins, yet because they're on other sides of the world... Their DNA is more different than many other populations. So a European would actually be closer to an African than a Melanesian to an African on the average. Conclusion. When you look at the human gene pool, you can't see distinct races. 
In fact, you can hardly see any difference in the human genome at all. So it's actually hard to find any species on the face of the Earth that has so little genetic differences between its populations as humans. The human genome is so remarkably similar, particularly when you compare it to other animals, because we're a really young species. We only left Africa some seventy to fifty thousand years ago. Now, fifty thousand years is a very short time in evolutionary time, geological time. And the sort of differences, genetic and physical differences, that have built up in that time are really quite trivial. Then, when you consider that very specific groups like Jewish people or Han Chinese have really only been around for a few thousand years, it's very unlikely to be enough time to evolve a suite of complex genetic changes that would mean, I don't know, I'm good with money. Now, another reason that our genome is so similar is because we're a really horny and mobile species. Here's geneticist Alan Templeton again. We do have this tendency that wherever we go, we tend to interbreed with local populations, and it really has homogenized the human gene pool. Of course, there are genetic differences between people. The tallest humans are over 2.5 meters tall, and the shortest are under 60 centimeters. But these differences aren't based on the notions of race developed by Carl Linnaeus or any of his compatriots. Next question: If race doesn't exist from a genetic perspective, and our genome is so similar, then why do groups of people look so different? Well, according to Alan Templeton, the differences that we tend to see between groups are adaptations to the harsh physical environment. So, for example, skin color is a local adaptation to the intensity of ultraviolet radiation, such that high levels of ultraviolet radiation favor dark skins and low levels favor light skins. And if skin color is just a reflection of UV radiation, then it doesn't make sense why we could make bigger assumptions about a person's skills, like their intelligence, based on their skin. Despite this, Michael Hing, who we heard from earlier and has Chinese ancestry, gets told you're good at maths. But there's actually no evidence at all to support this idea that there are population differences in intelligence. Every study that I know of that has been done has really found that there doesn't seem to be any correlation at all. So, when it comes to race on a biological level, does it exist? Nope. When we look at human DNA, we can't see races. And these days, most scientists chalk up any differences that we think we see between groups, down to culture and the environment. And here's an example of how racial stereotypes and culture can feed back on each other. So guess what, Michael Hing, he plays the piano. I'm not happy about it, but I am quite good at playing the piano. <laughs> but here's why. My mum said to me. Michael, you need something else. You need something special because it's a white man's world out there, and you've got to be better than them. She envisioned this world where I would be going for a job interview, and they'll be like, "Well, there's two candidates, and they're exactly the same, but we'll give it to the white guy because we like him better." But if you play the piano, they'll be like, "Well, he can entertain us at the Christmas party, or whatever." So you'll be able to get on. And that's not Michael Hing playing the piano at the ABC Christmas party. It's it's really not. It's not. It's it's not. But I have a feeling I just didn't convince you that race doesn't exist. We are so keen to carve up populations into groups. 
Why? According to Darren, it's because breaking things up into little components is how we make sense of the world. We like to place people into boxes. Sometimes those boxes take on a life of their own and become stereotypes. And stereotypes can often be divorced from reality, and particularly biological reality. So when it comes to science versus race, that's science one, race nil. Although, since science got us into this mess, I really hesitate to give them the point. So that's it for Science Versus. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, the ABC Radio app, or your favourite podcast app. And you can subscribe on iTunes. If you could leave us a review there, that would be great. A big thanks to my co-producer, Caitlin Sorey. And next week, the female brain. How different are the brains of the sexes? I feel very strongly that there are sex differences. What I hate is that if you're unemotional and autistic, you're a boy. <laughs> and if you're emotional and empathic, you're a girl. And I think that's where the distinction gets a bit silly. Or not more than a bit silly, gets really silly. I'm Wendy Zuckerman. Back to you next time. <laughs>